What's up? This is Matt Dietz and this is None of My Business. This is the show where I get to sit down with creative, smart, and ambitious entrepreneurs who are in the middle of doing their thing. You know, there's no playbook for new business owners on how to run a business. We're not given a step one through a thousand. We can maybe get to number five on our own. And so the reason that I wanted to sit down and talk with these people is to build a library of success stories so that we can learn from them. And that's what I've done. So today on the show, I have a good friend of mine, Jacob Nordby. Do you ever sit down with someone and have a conversation and you kind of lose track of time and then the conversation's done and you just feel better? You feel more awake. You feel more alive. Well, that's what I get when I sit down with Jacob. Jacob is one of my oldest friends here. And every time we sit down and go for coffee or, or create some content and things like that, the conversation, we don't know where it's going. We just kind of roll the ball down the hill and it takes off and it's it's awesome. We have wonderful conversations. We kind of challenge each other. He asks questions to me that make me visit like the dark recesses of my mind and I'm like, oh, that's a good question and we will dig into that and um, he's just been really helpful to me in a number of different ways in personal growth and professional growth. And, uh, so I wanted to sit down with him again because he's done some really incredible things over the past few years since we've talked to him before. And, you know, Jacob, one of the things that Jacob's done better than you and better than me is he's built an audience. Um, and we're going to talk about that. And he was really patient when it came to, you know, monetizing it. I mean, it is a, we are business owners and he was really patient, more patient than I would have been. And so we talk about what that was like, when was the right time to kind of go in and try and monetize and, you know, make some money. He puts out really, really great content and he's built an audience that loves him. And so, um, so we started doing that and we talk about that. We also talk about a really exciting event that he did, uh, recently that was really successful. It was something that he's been dreaming of doing for a long time and he did it because that's what Jacob does. He manifests things and he goes and he does them. And so uh, I wanted to sit down and pick his brain about that. Uh, and that's what we did. We talked about a myriad of other things too. So this is my conversation with my good friend, Jacob. I hope you enjoy it. All right, so I am joined today with one of my good friends, Jacob Nordby. What's up, Jacob? Matt. Welcome back. <laughs> well, I, I walked in here, and, it's, and I'm like, I've been in this office a couple of times, and you know, and I'm lucky to be one of your one of your customers, also your insurance customers. So I'm familiar with your team. But I walk back in, it's like, well, this is a whole new office. It's yeah, you know, right in the, in the middle of the pandemic, we decided I hadn't put any money or anything into this space for for 12 years you know and it was like 1997 when you walk in here and so we gave it a refresh new floors new coat of paint i kind of put my own signature style into it my wife gets all the credit because she made it beautiful and it's uh it's home now it's awesome well it feels like that yeah i was sitting here sipping a, an earth beverage which is i was excited to see it on your desk because i i love this stuff and i've not met the founders and i know you just interviewed i them. just literally they just left like a half an hour ago so so cool yeah and i gave them one of your books because i know that they are our people <laughs> and so they she was excited she looked at it, she's like oh my god i'm excited already and so well i would love to meet them because yeah. I've, I've watched you know and that's one thing matt you've invited me back a few times and I, I love that i think this is three and um one of the reasons i love it is is to have also watched your progress through the years of developing the show and then watching your passion for really connecting with interesting stories of local 
people who are serving the community, whether entrepreneurial or otherwise. I, I just I've always loved watching you do that. Oh, thanks. Yeah, it's been it's been really fulfilling, and you know this valley is full of really hardworking, humble, great people. And if you can find them and get to know them, I would encourage you to try. And this just gives me the vehicle to do it. I'm, I just, I, I really, I do it for fun, you know, yeah. and just to meet cool people. And it's, you know, it helps business here and there. But for the most yeah. part, I'm just trying to build a product to help other people tell their story and other people to learn. So, yeah. So I brought you back. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm glad to be here. So you've been on, this will be my uh, third conversation with you that we're going to record. And the first time was, gosh, it's probably almost seven or eight years ago. And then we did another one maybe four years ago. And so, you're just someone that I think is worth, you know, keeping up with. And so um, your story continues to evolve, the growth of your business and the work that you do, I adore. And so um, I wanted to talk about what things have been, uh, what, what's been going on with you over the past few years. I know you've got some stuff to share and some, maybe, maybe you can even teach us something. Jacob. <laughs> you know, I was talking with a friend the other day and... Um we were talking about transitions of life and all that. And you're, you're one of the very few Matt who remained my friend through some pretty big, um, transitions in my life. And that's, that's one thing that makes it special for me to be here is that we're actually friends. We've been friends for a long time. So yeah. you're, you're one of the few who could kind of watch me going through this evolution and like struggles, convulsions and go, yeah, I don't know. It's, he seems to be in a weird place, but we're still gonna be friends. Yeah. So thanks for that. Yeah, you bet. I don't know. We <laughs> met a long time ago. It's probably been 15 years, you know, since we've met and yeah. when you were running the mortgage brokerage and then you, uh, your life took some right turns and you moved down to Texas and things like that. And I was bummed when you left. Um, but you know, we stayed connected on, tw on Twitter of, of all, of all the platforms we stayed connected on Twitter and I followed you and I saw that you landed back here. Hmm. I mean, I can't remember how long you were gone. It was at least a couple of years. Yeah, three. And, uh, you came back and of course I recognized your name and I was like, Hey man, you want to go grab some coffee? And you were like, and you responded, you were like, yeah. And that was it. And then our, I think our friendship really crystallized at that point. Yeah. And we've just, uh, you know, just, I love you. Like yeah. you're just one of my closest well, friends. Mutual. So, yeah. So I want to jump in real quick. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about, you know, you know, what you're doing now, like what, what is your business and what are you doing today? And then we'll go backwards and kind of move forward to today. Yeah. So, so what do you, what do you do? What are you doing now? <laughs> that used to be a really hard question for me to answer. <laughs> right. No, for a lot of years, there was, there were a lot of formless years, Matt, and I, I won't do that because we'll talk about those later probably, but there were a lot of years that felt like I don't, I know there's something important in there and I want to bring it together, but I'm not clear on how to do it yet. And anybody listening who kind of feels that way, like I'm in a period of reconstructing, um, redeveloping my life, I just want you to know, like, what we're getting ready to talk about, hang in there, because it's worth hanging in, hanging yeah. through. When you can find the real thing, I mean, there's this magnetic thing that's happening inside going, I don't know how this is supposed to make its way out of me, but I know it needs to. So I spent, you know, almost 10 years working for a publishing company and an events company, and um, a couple of years ago, I decided it was time for me to go on my own. And that was scary because I hadn't been an entrepreneur, Matt, for, I mean, you know, 15 years or something. And, um, and I wasn't, sh you know, it wasn't time before that, but I'll just jump forward to today. And so I have the Institute for Creative Living, which is a nonprofit organization. And side by side with that is a for-profit, which is called Heal Plus Create. 
And through Heal Plus Create, we're developing a community platform that is, um, it's like it's like a social network with a with a focus with a purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, in that, unlike Facebook and Instagram, you will pay a subscriber, you know, a monthly fee, but it plugs you into a community that is really meant to help people find the connection in themselves between inner healing and creativity. And a lot of times people put those two things in separate camps. Um, they like, I'm going to go over here and work, work in my creative dream project or whatever it is. And it's somehow very separate from all the psychological and, and whatever kind of growth needs to happen. And so we've, we've really noticed that, um, we've really noticed that there's this tremendous connection between healing and a lot of people have this feeling it's either you're either in one or two camps with healing it's either i'm all in i want to talk about trauma i want to talk about emdr i want to talk about all the things or healing is for those people those broken people and what i've come to see um, is that every one of us has things in us from our early conditioning um, whether it was traumatic or not, but we have these things going on inside that can that can keep us away from connecting with things that matter to us. Great. You also have had uh, you def- you've defined creativity differently, I mm-hmm. think, than maybe the common person, and it's helped me understand. Um, I think you've said it before, where like everybody's creative, yeah, and maybe. I don't know what the percentage is, but there are a lot of people that don't think that they, that they are, yeah. you know, they, they associate creativity with the arts, you know, music and drawing and sculpture and stuff like that. But, you know, how would you define, you know, creativity? Well, you know, creativity to me, one of the most common things I would hear, you just said it is I'm just not that creative. Right. Um, in fact, in my, in my most recent book, the creative cure, the editors took it out, but my first line in that book was we need to rescue creativity from the arts because so many people have this idea that that is only for those people so there's this kind of creative have and have nots and most people in the world tend to think of themselves unless I'm making my living as a designer or an artist or a writer or something that I'm not very creative Mm -hmm. and nothing could be further from the truth as I see it because as I see it Creative energy is a fungible term with life to me, with life energy, so aliveness. And there was a spark that showed up as soon as you were born and, and I was and everyone listening was born. Um, not those other people who don't listen to your show. They're, yeah, we, don't, we don't care about that. But, but your listeners and you and me, of <laughs> <Yeah>. course. <laughs> no, we, you know, there's this spark that, that showed up. And this is before we knew our own names. And it was the spark of life. And that spark is that sort of life force energy as I see it and it's meant to run through our entire lives much like the sap in a tree you don't look at a sap in a tree and go well that sap can only run through these limbs over here it's like no that life energy needs to run through every part of it and so to me if there's an area of our life that doesn't feel artful it doesn't feel good that's where life our own lives are asking us to invite our own creative natures in and change it yeah I've always loved the way that you put that because I think it if people can hear that and understand it, I think it will allow people to give themselves permission, you know, to yeah. to be creative and associate with that term. And I think it opens up things. And I think I know that it's helped me. You said it a long time ago. You said, you know, Matt, you're very creative. Your business is creative and what you're doing with your family is creative. And I I like associating with that term mm-hmm. and giving myself permission to call myself a creative has been good for me. So, yeah, I was just getting ready to ask you, actually, how long have you felt like you could 
identify with that for yourself? Um, I, I think, you know, once I realized that I knew what I was doing in, in my business here, like I've, I've always had kind of a, I've always wanted to be in the more traditional term of creative. Like I've, I've drawn and sketched and stuff like that. And I've always been intrigued by music and wanted to learn music. So if you want to go with the traditional definition that we just kind of debunked, you know, that's something that has always, I've always felt I've had a creative side to me, but I don't know if I ever felt like I had a platform mm-hmm. to exhibit it. And so once you told me that, like, Matt, you are creative. Look at what you've built, you know, with your bare hands, you know, like we talk about with my family and my business and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I know that the way that I run my business is also very creative. It's different than my peers. And I do that yeah. because I, I, I like to do that. I like to be different. I like to... Um, carve out my own, you know, niche and do things in a way that others don't or see things in a way that others don't. I'm just part of that's being a middle child, part of that's being Gen X or whatever and growing up and having all these new ways to express creativity that we didn't have when we were like podcasting, you know. Yeah. Um so it's always I think been a feeling that I've had but I I I think it's blossomed over the past, you know, 15 or 20 years. Yeah. So well, I just, I mean, I look at you, and I, and I love that you, because you are so in it, you're, it's not a big struggle for you to go, oh, I see how that, you know, a lot of people really, there's a lot of resistance, like, oh, absolutely not. I'm not, I'm just not that creative. And watching you move through your life, so one of my definitions of creativity, it's not mine, but I've kind of pulled it out of the mass of definitions. Turns out this word is kind of like love or God or one of these words. It comes sort of freighted with so many definitions. And so people think they know what it means. And I like to go, if we could erase the word, what's inside of the feeling of that? And they're like, oh, there you go. oh, okay. So to me, creativity is a process by which something real um original rare and valuable is formed all right and that's that's in the dictionary but it's kind of buried in the definitions and if we think about that and if we go okay what if i am what if finding out who i am and creating a life that is that matches that what if that process is my ultimate creative project so now i'm not looking at just one thing one channel like writing a book or one it's like what if becoming who I really am is my greatest creative project and the things that come from that in your case this amazing podcast and your training platform and and just the way you communicate is is artful so that you can take what a lot of guys would show up and buy an insurance agency and maybe make it a really good living but to them it's just like this this mill for making a living Mm -hmm. and that's nothing there's nothing wrong with that but you've taken it and said, I want to be alive inside of these walls, inside of this business, inside of the way I communicate with people. So I see that what you're doing is on both sides. You are, you continue to express who you really are and find out who that is. And then you express it beautifully through the way you work in your business. So I just, I think that's a great example of, it can either be very uncreative and just like go by the numbers and make a living, or it can be that and it can feel really fulfilling. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about, you know, your journey. Like you, you've got a couple of things going right now. You, you just, we're going to get to the event that you just put on. That's 
what it's been a week and a half, I think. And I know that that was something that's been brewing and building for a long, long time. Um, but working up to that point, you, you know, you have built, um, a pretty rich, you know, uh, what's the word community, you know, through social and things like that. I mean, on your Facebook page and other avenues, you have a lot of people that pay attention to what you put out. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk about like, how did you build it? How do you decide what to put out? What did you, you know, how did you start? And then how did it change over time? So how many people do you have, do you know, that are linked to your, to your page? Well, of the various pages, it's, it's around half a million on Facebook. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's probably, out of all the people that I know personally, I don't, I don't know if I know anyone that has a larger, you know, following. And I know that these can be, you know, these metrics may not mean anything to, to a lot of people, <laughs> their vanity metrics and things like that. Sure. But we we're going to talk about, we're here to talk about business, you know. So, yeah. so you know, how did you get it to, to that size? Um, what did you want to put out in that world? And, you know, how do you decide you know, what to put out. Like when you started doing this, did you think I'm going to get to half a million people, you know, they're going to pay attention to what I'm putting out because the stuff that you put out is there's a lot of humor to it. It's definitely, you know, for the people that do follow you, um, I think they do get to know you as a person through what you put out. You put out your own original writings, but you also put out a lot of humorous things and you have a nice mix for stuff like that. But it's all, uh, received very warmly from your community it gets it gets blasted out you know thousands of shares and tons of likes and things like that so what you're putting out is resonating with people but when you started doing that like what was your what were you doing like you're like i'm just gonna start putting you know shit out and see what happens but were you building towards something like let's start at the beginning tell me what <laughs> what, what, what was how did it all start well, you mentioned Twitter. So I tend to be a pretty early adopter of, you know, especially early on, I'm less so now. But then it was like very exciting. Let me start with this Facebook thing. Let me do a Twitter thing. And so yeah, it was really fun. It was back, yeah. <laughs> and back then, before, you know, it was, it had turned into what it is now. It, was, it just felt so innocent. And um, Twitter in Boise used to feel super innocent. Yeah, fun, it was like a small know? room. Yeah. You know, yeah. it was fun. I'm going to be at this coffee shop and you have three friends show up. Right. You know? um, so I think early on, Matt, I, I, it really it tracks, it tracks my own evolution pretty strongly I think in that at first if you if you go back and Facebook is one of those like oh wow here's a memory from 14 years ago I don't know that I want to <laughs> right. see what I was posting back then but that was kind of this thing where I, I I became willing to look dumb or look unsure on social media um, and that was this liberating experience because it's like I'm not living behind this um, this costume this persona of what I think the world should want to see me as, but it's more like this is more and more who I am and I'm going to keep experimenting with it in public. Um, and so I, I'd say that what I've done over the years has changed, but not what's underneath it, which is, which is, and I feel like this is one of the, probably the more important things when people are looking saying, how do I grow a public face that also doesn't leave me feeling like it's just a cardboard cutout of me? And I would just say that I really feel like a lot of the reason why it's gained some some size is that it becomes an example of look I'm just going to be myself and I'm going to post the things that I think are 
thought-provoking, I think are funny, you know, sometimes a little controversial, but not generally not on purpose. Sometimes I'm very surprised by something I post that turns into a forest fire. I'm like, right. wow, I did not see that coming. I must be really bent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I have seen those. I've been a part of those for sure. Yeah, and it's interesting. Facebook was is interesting. I was just thinking about this recently. I was like, you know what? What may not exist in in years is, you know, you know when you went to like your grandma's house for holidays and things like that back when we were growing up she would have you know old photo albums and we go through photo albums and they you'd see the history of like their family and there there i was when i was a little kid and this and that i don't know if those are going to exist you know um in today for starters or in 10 years or 20 years or things like that and but you know with facebook is really interesting because you said we're starting to see memories from like 13 14 years ago and it's it's like a t- an interesting timeline of like our life and like so kids that are growing up with this and i don't know whatever platform they're gonna they're gonna grow up on you know they could possibly have their entire life documented and you know going back and we're not going to look at you know photo albums anymore but we may look at like the history of facebook mm-hmm. and and like I, i'm seeing stuff from like 12 13 years ago and it's kind of blowing my mind yeah because it's still very new technology yeah. you know in our world and like you know, when we're old men, we're going to be like 47 years ago, you know, you're going to be like, Jesus Christ, you know, it's all going to be laid out there. And, but it does, it'll show obviously photos, but you know, personal growth. And I can't believe I thought that or said that. And so it's, it's kind of this interesting social experiment that's happening. It's, it's, well, it's unprecedented. Like the humans have never, that we know of have never had something like this before. So it's such a direct mirror of, Exact and especially when we understand the algorithm a little bit, like what we're putting out into the world is what's going to be is going to be amplified on social media. So, the number of things I'm clicking or liking or commenting on suddenly it so it's people who get really uncomfortable with social media. I, I can understand the discomfort, but it's it's like a very close mirror. This yeah. is this is what I'm thinking and feeling right now. Yeah, it's kind of unnerving. <laughs> You know, in some ways. And I saw something recently. We Like Elon Musk just bought Twitter, and um, who knows what's going to come of that. But I, I read something that said, you know, if, there, like, if it goes bankrupt and goes away, yeah. someone expressed a concern. They're like, there's a lot of history in Twitter. Like, what if Twitter just goes away and it's, like, not archived or something like that? Like, there's a lot of stuff that's happened on Twitter in, in the past 15 years in regards to human history. You know, like, when Osama bin Laden was killed, like, that tweet, I remember the, seeing the tweet. I don't know if you do or not, but when he yeah. was killed, it was some guy in Pakistan tweeting at 2 in the morning. And he said, why is there a helicopter flying above my house right now? And he like almost blew the entire operation from a fucking tweet, right? And so it was oh – it's, it's obviously a very powerful medium. It's changed governments and things like that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Which, just, by the way, I just – I just paid the seven ninety nine to get a blue check. Congratulations! And I, you know, the, it was an experiment because you know, all these years it'd be like the blue check is amazing, yeah. And then I eventually sort of stopped caring. It's like, oh, well, for, for eight bucks, I'll I'll try it. And what I was really hoping for, Matt, is that by having that blue check, I would, I would have this absolute rock solid confidence in myself, knowing that I'm better than other people right. now yeah. and I have proof for eight bucks for I mean you bucks. can't beat that by the way it worked like you should see me walking down the road I'm just like so confident <laughs> oh, yeah. because of the eight bucks uh, yeah. you're gonna get a blue check tattoo maybe oh, I think I have I to I don't think you I think we all should <laughs> 
so yeah, we're just, it, it's such an interesting time. And I read a book recently called the nineties. I think we talked about it earlier mm-hmm. and like, we're part of a generation that remember what it was like pre-internet yeah. and, and like vividly remember what it was like. Um, and, and then to, to, to be where we are today, it's really fascinating to have those memories and to see how far we've come today and how different it is. And yeah, it's, it's interesting. And like what you've done with your business, like you couldn't have done mm-hmm. 20 years ago, right. you know? True. And so, so I know that you're following really probably tell me if I'm wrong, but really took a leap, you know, after you wrote blessed or the weird, um, you, you know, that was something really important that was inside of you that you felt like you needed to get out and you wrote it. Um, but it struck a nerve with people that needed to hear it. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it's one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. And, um, so what was that like when you put that out there, all of a sudden it's resonating with a lot of people. It really touched a lot of people's lives. And, and I would imagine things started to take off a little bit in a quicker trajectory for you there. And then what did you decide to do from there? Like, okay, you must've felt some responsibility to this community. You know, all yeah. of a sudden we've got 60,000 people here that are and everything. So mm-hmm. what was it like did you feel a level of responsibility? Did that, did what you put out change? Like what, what was it, what was it like carrying that kind of, I don't know if you want to call it responsibility, but, but having that audience is big, right? You actually used one of the words that is uh, pretty wired into me. Cause I mean, if you do the strengths finder assessment, responsiveness is very high for me. So not everyone who has, you know, a platform toils with the same kind of feeling I have. So, I mean, that's a great question, Max. I actually do feel a responsibility, even though if people who follow the current Bless Out of the Weird Facebook page is like probably 70% of it is just, you know, goofy, yeah. uh, right? And, um, but, you know, I, at the time when it started to take off internally, you know, that's 2016, and that, that was four or five years after the first book, and it was like, okay, this might, maybe this is the time when I'm going to have the momentum to really, you know, get out there and and start doing other work. And it was interesting around that message, blessed are the weird people, you know, these different types of poets and troubadours and painters who teach us to see the world through different eyes. Um, There was something in there, but it wasn't, it wasn't the time to build an entire business around it. And I, I started doing that and then I realized pretty quickly I'm not ready and I don't feel like this message is clear or baked well enough yet to, and, and that, that was hard because I really, at that point, it's like, okay, here's the big break. Here's the wave is going up and I'm surfing up. And so that was 2016. Yeah. So six years ago. And after it was after that point though, that that thread that I was pulling of, wait a minute, we all have this unique impulse to create things and lives that matter to us there's something that feels a bit exclusive about the blessed other weird people message in that a lot of people didn't identify as a weird person and they were wistful. They're like, Oh, you're talking about those creative people, those artistic types, um, the free thinkers, you know? Yeah. And that was what I, I, I'm not satisfied with the answer that it's only for special people. And so that's really Matt, what began to continue pushing me along to say, I feel like this is more important than just that, like create, cause you can create a tribe around an idea like that. And, feed them and they can feed you back and you can actually make a wonderful living in something like that. But I didn't feel like it was where it wasn't aligned with who, what the message I really wanted out there, which is everybody has 
and deeply inner creative self. Got it. And that finding the connection back to it, that restoring that connection is part of the medicine the world needs in that when people are creating from their inner self, whatever it might be, their artful expression of business or their relationships or the book they're writing, whatever, whatever that is, the garden on the back porch, they automatically, we, we actually have neuroscience now that shows us what's happening when people are in that kind of flow state, whether they're doing something they think is creative or they're just making beauty on their back porch, but you get into that flow state and now that we know you're actually accessing the lower part of your nervous system, which is the ventral vagal's uh, portion, I call it the green zone because I don't want to keep always saying ventral vagal. I like it. But the green zone, that's where we're most open to ideas and resources and opportunities. We feel most connected to ourselves and to other people. We feel more safe in societal situations. And so we're actually our smartest, wisest self when we're in that space. And so even if someone's work for pay does not include what they consider creative work, if they have space in their life where they know that they are expressing themselves in some way creatively, it actually affects the rest of their lives yeah. because they move into that space more often. Yeah. And what a great space to find. Right. I think for me recently, it's been like, I'd started this coaching platform and, and, um, but what I've, and, and the way I associate like when I'm in that zone is when like time changes, yeah. right? When you look down, you're like, oh my God, it's been 45 minutes or something like that. And it doesn't feel, it felt like five minutes or yeah. something like that. And I find myself in that space when I'm, when I'm working with newer agents or coaching newer agents and I'm helping them figure out building their business and giving them advice and talking to them and working through their problems. And like, I will take a phone call and it, uh, in my head, I'm like, this is just going to be 10 minutes, but it'll be like 40 minutes and I don't care. Like yeah. I get a great deal of, joy from it and I feel like I'm helping somebody else and I get satisfaction and I'm not getting paid and I don't care and it's just it's it's really fun right now and right. so finding or and same as like if you're playing with your kids or something yeah. like that you know it's just time it just goes away you know it's yeah. really interesting so yeah. well I think too almost everything we do can become an opportunity for that I think a lot of us tend to shut ourselves out from it because it's like this is just one of those mundane task or it's just hanging out with my kids. So I think it's it's interesting to know that we can actually make the choice to to pop into the creative mindset and go if I were really if I really gave myself to this moment, if I really looked my child in the eyes right now and laughed with them even if it's only 5 minutes and part of the brain is saying that's not enough time, you're not getting quality time. It's like, yeah, but if what I have right now, if I can give myself to this moment, to this experience, um we're actually asking then internally whether we're conscious of it or not we're asking creative questions what if what would happen mm -hmm. how can i you yeah. know and so we suddenly create a moment that is creative whether whether we're spending the rest of the day doing creative things or not yeah and i think if you can identify it a lot of that happens without you knowing yeah. you just fall into it and you know, yeah. all of a sudden you're like okay I'm, but if you can identify it and go towards it I think there's real power in that and you're really taking control of what brings you satisfaction and joy and, and whoever you're sharing that time with and so I think if we look for it and go towards it I think it's it's been really helpful for me yeah you know yeah. so when you were building this tribe and you've got 
see, I was I was kind of mad at you back in the day when you were sitting on all this, and I was like, Jacob, will you just sell something for ten bucks a pop, you know, and just get, you know, I mean, because let's be honest, we're there's a business here, and like we have some capitalist DNA in us, right? And so you're sitting on this thing that that's really hard to build, and I'm like, damn it, man, why don't you just just fucking will you do something with this? And you're like, well, no, I'm not ready yet. It's fine, I'll be patient. I'm like, fine, man, whatever. But that's awesome. So what, you know, what kept you, well, you said you like, you just weren't ready yet. What were you waiting for? Were you waiting for, what were you waiting for? Man, that's a hard one for me to answer. I don't know specifically. There was sort of, for me, it was sort of a feeling like there's a, there's a natural cycle at work here that I can't even really see, but I could just kind of feel I'm not cooked yet. And so then two years ago when it was time for me to start moving out of the position I'd been in for a really long time. You know, part of the reason too, Matt, is that I I knew that something about the, the work I was doing for this events company and publishing house, there was something important about it in that it was like, definitely felt like an apprenticeship. Um, and so I really feel like I got to get paid while I learned and learned and learned and learned. And then it that helped me create this like, okay, from what I've been doing, I want to take some of that and do similar things, but it, there, here are the ways that I want to make it different, make it mine, you know? And so, yeah, a couple of years ago, I went, actually went up to McCall with Nate, another friend of mine, Todd uh, Lehman. Hey, Todd. Um, another wildly creative dude from Marin. And, um, and we were, they thought they were helping me organize jacobnorby.com and we were going to figure out the offerings and we were going to figure it out. And they, and they were really just doing that as kind of like, we love you, we care about you. If they, they were similar to Matt going, you have all this stuff, why don't you do something with it? And so we went up to the mountains and we actually, um, right. We had to talk you into this. That's right. <laughs> Reluctant hero, Matt. Not all could be heroes. <laughs> Anyway, no, so we went up and had an Airbnb, and we are going to spend a weekend. We were going to do a, a, re- a planning retreat and just kind of really map it out and then kind of look at the components and say, what, what, how, how, what's the next step here? Yeah. And before we got started with the first meeting there, we got to the Airbnb, and um, I said, hey, guys, what, what, why don't we just each of us kind of meditate for 20 minutes, and then, and then we'll start, you know, let's, let's really get in that space. During, during my time of meditation, um, I just had this, this thing, it, and it popped, and it was like the Institute for Creative Living. And I've always wanted to, and by the way, I don't have an opinion on whether somebody should or shouldn't do this, but for me, it's always been important to, I'm not creating jacobnorby.com, even though I have jacobnorby.com, but that's not, that's not what I want to pour my life into building that structure. It was more like, I want to help develop something becomes a platform for connection and community and actual real growth, um, humor, connection, all those things. And it, it feels like it needs to transcend just me and, and just what I represent in this life and make it much more possible for other people to be involved. Um, so I walked out of that meditation. I said, guys, I'm not sure what to say, but I feel like where we're going is the Institute for Creative Living. And so that's really what began all of that. And then we began to go, okay, so if I could create a community that, it, that has its own place to go, um, so a community platform tech-wise and um, an app and have on-demand courses and do these events, and really what it's about is 
building everything around this, how can we invite people into the experience of themselves yeah. um, and let them experience that because that is infectious and that is magnetic. So then they want to go back. It's not just them learning some process for me. It's like I am involved in doing this and I'm doing it for my own reasons. And so part of that then the menu of things that we do include, you know, in-person events, virtual events. We just got done doing the one where we actually did the hybrid. So we, we served 1,100 people worldwide and then 260 some in person. And so there were people there by Zoom and there were people there in the room. And that was, uh, it, was a, it was a big step and it was yeah, exciting. Absolutely. Yeah. So when you, you know, the creative Institute for, what do you call it? Sorry. Institute for Creative Institute Living. For, <laughs> Institute yeah. for Creative Living. When that was, you know, born out of that and... Um, what steps did you take as far as, all right, this is what we're going to offer to people. You know, what inside of you did you want to share and teach others? Mm -hmm. And, you know, how did you present it? Like, what was your first kind of step to get people, you know, drawn into what you were building? Well, I started just really trying to put it out as genuinely as possible, an invitation saying, okay, you guys, this is where this last dozen years has led if you you know if you've come to one of my courses if you see value in developing something in yourself then let me invite you and by the way let me invite you into the uh, what sark would call the the marvelous messy middle so let me invite you into it's not a perfectly baked platform tech wise yet it's not perfectly baked as far as the program but I know that you want to be engaged and not just touch it once a year when I do another course or something, but actually get your hands in it. So I want to invite you into the beta community. So we, we started with a beta community. Then we did a virtual event in February of this year called the Heal Plus Create Reclaim Retreat, and it was online only. And that was a two-week experience with people coming in and, and going through these really cool sessions with some top minds and, and you know trainers in these different areas. And I broke rules. Nobody ever does a, I mean, it's just not done. You don't do a two week thing, especially virtual only. People right. are not going to, they're not going to keep showing up. And, and I chose to not have anything, any breakout sessions. So every session we do was a general session, which means you don't have to choose between going to this one and catching the replay on that one. Yeah. And it was specific. Like we're going to give you experiential like practices to, to go home and use every day. And, you know, miniature visualizations are, guided meditations um, to use and, and here's why and it was so exciting to watch people like get turned on through mm -hmm. that then like they just like oh I'm finally getting it and so the heal plus create which was always going to be like a category of content at the Institute for Creative Living people were like wait a minute now I understand what you guys do so heal plus create became a brand that we said okay we're gonna we're gonna make that the public facing brand um, because it clicks it's yeah. descriptive and people go okay now I get it this is the business of so are you trying to help people essentially become the best version of themselves I mean is that the simple way to explain what you're yeah. what you're trying to do and I think so you what kind come of write copy for me I I think. Should, let's that write that really, down let's that record really it precise. so that yeah. way we can't forget it become the best well it, it, the, the Institute for Creative Living the tagline is find your spark and heal plus create like, I love Find Your Spark because, you know, so many people, Matt, they hit our age, you know, and you probably had some success. You've checked a lot of boxes. Um, and Dr. Joe Dispenza, some different ones, talk about that process of habituation to life where we become very familiar. All of the big firsts 
are in the rearview mirror. The right. first kiss, the first car, the first sex, the first job, mm-hmm. all, the, all the big things that are out there. It's like, I've done all, all of these things in the first million, in a lot of people's case, or the first whatever accomplishment it might be. And they hit that magical place or difficult magic place in midlife where it's like, I I don't know for sure even who I am or what I really want right now. And a lot of people have a hard time admitting that. Yeah. But in private, in the guidance sessions I do, people feel safe enough to go, okay, now the dirty little secret is I don't really know what would turn me on right now. Oh, man, there's so much to that, right? I mean, there's a lot of success that probably got you to where you are, right? Mm-hmm. Like you've you've got your family and you've got a job and you don't have any bills. And like you, there's a part of you that should have an intense pride in, in where you are in this stage right. of your life. Like, But you've also maybe solved a lot of the problems that you worked on solving over the past 20 or th- as an adult adult right you don't know what you're doing when you're a new adult you know your 20s and 30s are all about figuring out how it is to be a grown-up and be responsible and and all of that stuff and but if you do get to a point though where you are content with where you are and what you've built as uh in your life and you've written your story but yeah i can totally see where you get to a point where it's like why now what mm-hmm. and, and as simple as that like mm-hmm. now now what now like, what you know, and I'm sure that's that's very common. Well, and I feel like that's what it takes time to refine a, a message to where it can pass what um, story brand Donald Miller talks about being the grunt test. You know, it's like can can people come to your website or come to one of your things and walk away and go in basically a grunt? This is what they do. Right. And I feel like what we're talking about right now is close to being refined it's like if you if you just know that you want more in your life and not necessarily more things and money although that might be part of it but if you just know there's more for you here and and the way i like to do it is imagine let's take a journey of imagination you're 95 years old or whatever that age is and you're just getting ready to to pass on you know and you're able to stop right before you walk through that door and turn around and look at your life and if you can turn back and look at your life and go i did it man I did what I I did what I cared about in this mm-hmm. lifetime, and I went up against my own fears and insecurities, and I dealt with the patterns that wanted to keep me from believing it was possible, and the things that really mattered to me, I did it. That's what we want to help people yeah. accomplish and find out what that is now, so they can start working toward. Oh man, I love it. Um, yeah, it's a confusing time for people to get. To, to have this intense pride but still feel empty right yeah. how weird and challenging and not know what to do and yeah. where do I go and who do I talk to and well and a lot who, of times it's like the, the facts look great and Matt, that can actually be explained through Maslow's hierarchy I mean there there's just this very observable progress from away from the baseline survival so maybe our 20s were just scrapping you know, and now some of us like you and I had kids in the mix, and it's just there's never ending. We got to survive. So, food, shelter, you know, the basics, and then you start moving up a little bit. Now you have some professional accomplishment. You're starting to play golf at the awards uh, circle. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's, it's beautiful. But what happens is we go through this observable progress to where the kind of the next stage, and I think as a culture, as a society, we're, we're there. Like we've actually built ourselves away from the sort of actual survival line so far that we are experiencing a lot of really cool success as a culture and a lot of individuals as well. But then when you reach that point where the next level is self-actualization, which is really going through self-discovery and then really 
how would I love to express this in the world for the rest of my life? If we bump our heads on the floorboard of that next level and we start answering the questions, trying to answer the questions of the next level we're trying to, we would, our inner self would love to graduate to. If we keep answering those with lower, lower order answers, like, well, I'm dissatisfied right now. It must mean I need another vacation house or right. another or a hotter partner or whatever it might be. Even if we are able to accomplish that, which many are, it'll still fall flat. When the inner call is, I want to actually achieve more of my potential. Yeah. I think this the struggle of the 20s and the 30s and the 40s um, and the work that's done, you know, um, to become who we are is incredibly satisfying yeah. for a lot of people you know yeah. like the work that you're doing and the growth that that you are achieving and you're just you're trying and trying and trying and i think there's beauty to that yeah. and i think there's value to that and there's worth to that but what happens when that stops right mm-hmm. and you're like i don't have to try so hard anymore and like yeah so it's fascinating it's really interesting so so give me an example of a couple of the things that you might do just to give us an idea of like, all right, so I've signed up for one of your courses or whatever. What are a couple of the uh, things that you have people, what are the activities that you have them doing? I have no idea. So. I'm trying to be, I want to keep all this shrouded in mystery. <laughs> we can't really talk about this. Yeah. Go to jacobnordby.com yes, and find really out yourself. Mysterious, yeah. <laughs> go to healcreate.org. Okay. Yeah. So, so we're close to opening up, the community platform as a general thing on heal plus create so it's healcreate.org we're not there yet but we're close to opening it up where there's a general a general community and what we offer right now is a sort of a menu every month of experiences that many of them seem really simple now there are some very specific workshops we'll do during the month for our writing community it's very specific to writing um, but we also offer things and just finished one yesterday actually so we'll bring in a teacher who, d- who does an interesting blend of uh, yoga and qigong and it's breathing and it's movement and we actually show people this is what's going on in your nervous system your brain so you're spending this hour and this is what you're doing for yourself so they experience it they're not just watching somebody right. they're actually doing it right along with us and therapeutic doodling and um, we'll have a breath work thing later so we, we're bringing in kind of the mind body spirit because so many people, Matt, one of the biggest problems we have is that we are information, absolutely information overloaded. We do not need more data for our left brains, no. is the truth. But we're so used to con- just consuming information and not necessarily implementing much of it. Right. So many of us stay very disassociated from our bodies, from our internal signals, from what we really need. And so one thing we seek to do is actually get people just back in the practice of knowing what their body is saying. Um, that's just, that's one example. Oh, great. Thank yeah. you. How did you build this curriculum? Like how have you decided what to put in there? Is it from past Sheer experiences? Yeah, well, Sheer yeah, genius. it just came out of you. Brag, right? But I mean, some of us just show up with genius. I know. Damn you. <laughs> Damn you. <laughs> Well, I mean, I, I built a course and I just built it very specifically on how to run an insurance agency, right? And I remember sitting down and being like, what do I wish I knew when I, what do I wish I knew when I started? And I sat down and I wrote down 46 things that I wish I knew. Mm-hmm. And um, that became 
the course. Like every line I wrote down became a module that I taught. And that's how I did it. I don't, whatever. And, and all those 46 things were like 17 years worth of work that I had learned over time, trial and error, you know, reading books, implementing these strategies and things like that. So it's, it's, it has my fingerprint all over it, even though it's, it's been, they're not all my ideas. They're the ideas that I took from other people that worked, you know, and maybe I put my own spin on it. So I'm curious on how you built, you know, your curriculum. What was that like? Yeah, I don't think it's that different, Matt. I mean, I love that you broke it down that simply, like what would I, what would I have loved to known when I was starting out? And I would say that the overall menu of experiences and products that we're building now comes a lot from that. Like what would my 34 year old self or 25 year old self, but especially for most people, it doesn't, they don't really start wanting to look under the hood till their mid thirties. Mm-hmm. Most of us are cruising along as fast as we can. Yeah, We know everything before yeah. you're 35, you know, everything. hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. I did. And it's never going to break down. So, <laughs> no. so what would somebody who, and really this takes me back to a, a founder story. What would the what would Jacob Norby have wanted and needed when he felt? And you did that interview with me all those years ago, Matt. And that was kind of a lot. This whole experience was a lot fresher for me back then. But Jacob Norby was thirty four years old, and he had a great big house that had granite countertops and a butler's pantry. We didn't have a butler, no. so it had it and hickory floors and stuff. And it was beautiful. And I had this gorgeous office that you used to come and visit with 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 our parties and things and. That was beautiful, and I was waking up at 3 a.m. every day feeling like, like I was losing my mind. Like you're on fire. Yeah, I was terrified all the time, and I just knew in the quiet moments, you know, it's like Thoreau, that most men lead lives of quiet desperation. In the quiet moments between, I'm like, I've created, clearly I'm a creator, I've created this stuff, and it's no longer feeding me, and I don't know what to do about it, and it has all these, there's all this weight around it, there's the obligation of it, and not even to mention my own name and what happens if this thing you know, goes to hell. Um, what would Jacob have loved if, I had come, if, if someone had come along at that point and said, hey, there's a way through this. Here are some ways to discover yourself. Find out what your real values even are and then look at the distance between your values and what you've created. Maybe, maybe there's nothing wrong with what you've created. Maybe it's just not in alignment with you. Yeah. Um, what, let's take a look at the things that are, that are holding you back. Let's find out some of those things, in your case, Jacob, are attached to old traumas that are running the show, that, that have developed these beliefs about what's possible for yourself in this, in this life. So I think going back to how you developed your curriculum, it's not that different. Yeah. It's like, what, what could have helped me back then? Yeah, and maybe it's something that you could be told and you don't change you know, you don't go through a complete transformation, but yeah. maybe it's minor adjustments. You know, maybe it's right. seeing it through a different lens. Maybe it's making some, doing some things in a different way that gives you a different feeling because you're doing it in a different way or something like that. It doesn't have to be a total reinvention, right? No, and that's one thing I really love about you. And I have a, a number of friends who kind of stick out to me as, as unicorns. And it's you, my friend Rob Garrison in Michigan, who was a mentor of mine in the mortgage business back in the day. And somebody else is usually on my mind when I'm talking about this, but I love that you watched me go through a very extreme version of transformation and it was traumatic. It was very destabilizing. And I, mm-hmm. and that was part of the reason I didn't develop things more earlier on because I'm like, 
I don't know if that's necessary, but if it is, I don't know how many people I'm going to be able to talk into it. Right. Here, just burn your life down and start over. <laughs> no, but I, so I've loved people like you and Rob and some other friends I have who we've had conversations and they're, and it's never, you didn't ever come to me, you know, at night and go, Hey, I don't know. I can't tell anybody this, but I'm really unfulfilled. It wasn't like that, but it was, you know, you just had a lot of curiosity and I've loved watching you guys who have these amazing businesses and there wasn't the need to disassemble the whole thing. Yeah. But to ask them the question, how, I think this is such a crucial question to ask, how can I stay alive inside of my own life? Mm-hmm. How can I keep waking up inside of life? Because our brains are these machines that look for certainty and look for what's familiar. And so we have this habituation process. So pretty soon, even the life we would have dreamed about when we were 20 and we have it, it looks like the wallpaper. Right. We don't even notice how good we have it. Right. And so learning to keep waking up inside of life, say, asking the question, okay, so in this phase of my life, now I'm 50, now my kids are older. What used to turn me on completely is no longer has quite the same sizzle. How can I stay alive inside of my life right now? Yeah. What changes would need to happen? Oh, I love it. Well, let's talk about your event that you just put on because it was a uh, something that you, I think, probably scratched out years ago and wanting to do, and you finally <laughs> did it, which is amazing. You know, yeah. um, tell me about the event, the build up to it. Was it? Was it hard to put together? Was it, what did you feel like when you had a room full of 200 people that was, you know, it's your baby. So tell me what it was like. What what was the mission behind it? How did you draw people to it? And then like, like how did it go? <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, you know, it was so much fun. Partly it was a dream of mine to work with Anne Lamott, who wrote, many people might have heard of her. She wrote Bird by Bird and was just an OG leader in the creative space, you know, um, especially writing. And and also I had worked with Julia Cameron with, with Sark um, a number of times before, but each of these are kind of pretty big name OGs in, in that world, uh, in both the personal development slash healing world and also creativity and writing specifically. And so I happened to be friends with Sam Lamott, who's Anne's son, and he had come to Boise a, few, a number of years ago, about the same time I was on your podcast. Mm-hmm. And he put me on his podcast, Hello right. Humans. I remember. And yeah, and so we got to be actual friends. And and after that, there were years that passed, and we would text each other every so often. I was driving down the road one night, listening to his mom's book, Bird by Bird, and she mentioned Sam. So millions of people know Sam. Yeah. And uh, at least as a as a snotty nosed little kid, <laughs> and I texted Sam, and I just said, I just man, I am listening to your mom's book again. And she brought up your name, and I'm so glad we're actual friends. And then he responded, and we hadn't talked for a while. And then I, I said, you know what? I, I think I'm going to fly to California. This is June of this year. I would really like to talk with you about putting an event together. And so he said, come on down. But there was nothing sure about it at yeah. all. And, and Sark also lives nearby um, in the Bay Area. And so I flew down there just like, I have this idea. I feel like this thing wants to happen I'm just, who knows whether we can get yeses from anybody. Yeah. So then, then we got, I flew down there and we had amazing, some amazing meetings. And there was this like, I don't know for sure, but feels like that's something we want to do. So then I had to suffer through the next six weeks of getting, hearing back from these people and saying, you know, it's ahead of the 4th of July summer in Idaho or anywhere. It's like people just kind of 
go away Disappear. until after. So I didn't hear back for a long time if they were going to even do it. And so my inner clock is ticking like, if we're going to do this, we better get it yeah. out there. You know, and so that started happening, though. We started getting the, you know, the agents are calling and this is how much it will cost. And so then we were on the hook for... You know, I mean, before we sold any tickets, I was on the hook for seventy, eighty thousand dollars. Sure. Just, and we'll just see if it works. You know. Wow. <laughs> so, what did that feel like? Oh, scary. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's and, a big risk. And and I, but this is where I went through the apprenticeship for so long, producing events. Right. So it's like this is different. It has some hair on it. It has a lot bigger upfront price tag. So if it doesn't work, it will not work a lot worse than yeah. otherwise. But um, Dude, so just the business mind in me yeah. is like, all right, this is gonna cost me eighty thousand dollars. Like, I gotta make it back, right? So I gotta at least, like, I have to at least break even. Oh, you're right? one of those capitalists <laughs> who actually want the money back. <laughs> well, Man. yeah, I'm not, I'm not in charity yet. <laughs> um, but it's like, so how confident were you that you were going to at least break even and you're like, all right, that was a good start. Let's build on that. Yeah. Cause I know you made some money and I know it's more successful than that. Um, but in your mindset, cause I'm a very linear thinker. That's how I'm like, okay, 80, I got to put out 80,000. I got to, I got to make it back. So I'm like, how many tickets do I got to sell? How are we going to get the money there? How are we going to build this out? Yeah. You know, what was that like? Did you feel confident that, you know, you were at least going to do that? You know, I did. how did you take the temperature of your yeah. audience? You know, that, that they were going to show up yeah. one way or the other. Well, we have a very focused audience. And then we also, you know, work with these presenters as part of the agreement. You know, they're going to at least put it out some um, to their audiences, yeah. email and social. And and so I'd worked with all of them except Anne. I had never worked with her before, but I'd worked with them before. So I had some metrics. I knew, I knew what to expect from Julia Cameron and from Sark. It's like I know what their audiences are about, and I knew there was a big Venn diagram that where these audiences crossed over each other quite a bit. Right. So I, I, I don't want to come off as cocky at all because I, that would certainly not tell the truth of how many times I refreshed the shopping cart to see how yeah, many tickets on, were being come sold. On. But so I didn't didn't feel cocky at all. But I also felt kind of a pretty deep down confidence that we'd at least at least break even, which would not have been a good outcome <laughs> well i think that feeling was born out of the patience you exhibited years ago mm. like if you had launched this too soon you know m maybe you don't have this meeting or that meeting or maybe you don't have the connection with the people that you need to pull this off properly so you know the patience that you exhibited that i was giving you so much crap about you know back <laughs> in the day you know you know patience is a really important thing you know to have and the feeling that you had that you weren't ready yet and mm -hmm. so like you listen to yourself and you know when we do that i think we're more we're, we're right more often than we're not you know i think so too so yeah. um so well played well thank you it's uh i feel matt you the first time i was here for a podcast i was still at the very early stages of all that and i you know it was like at the time i didn't think back in 2013 12 when i came back from austin and was and you invited me here i, I don't know that I really believed that I'd ever be back in Enterprise again. Um, my dad, who died about 12 years ago, just before he passed, he gave me a copy of The Artist's Way from Julia Cameron, and that's, that's how I really discovered her. Um, and he said, someday I'm going to want this book back, son. He's like, I think it'll help you. So I was in Austin, and that's where I started writing. I recovered this dream from when I was 10 years old to become a writer, and it had always been in there, but I... Um, hadn't ever had space for it and so I started recovering that and at one point I remember being on the phone with my dad and this is about a month before he died 
um, and we had developed a really good friendship, and and that was a, a big ex- that was a big thing for me because we hadn't really ever had a good connection before that. But I remember at one point he said, "Listen, son, mark my words, you're going to be back being an entrepreneur at some point." And I, at the time, I'm like, "Dad, I." I don't know what to say. I don't think I'll ever want to touch any of that ever again, you know. And so I came back here in 2012 or 13, and when I sat with you the first time, I was still very much in that mindset and not even being sure that I believed in the process of of enterprise in the way, because I felt like I'd gotten really burned out by it, and I felt like a lot of it wasn't healthy. Um, And so I'm grateful these years later now to be, really wholeheartedly back in enterprise and to feel like the very question of how can enterprise, how can business serve in a, in a really healthy way, for me that becomes a different kind of creative question. Well, I love that. And the fact that you jumped back into enterprise and you did it your own way mm-hmm. in a way that uh, through the trials and fires that you went through and that you burned down, but to have the courage to try it again um, and to do it in your own voice in your own way, I'm sure it was, God, it, I mean, it sounds like you didn't want to do it. So there was probably some fear, you know, <laughs> trying to do it again. Yeah. Um, but there also has to be some form of internal commitment where you're like, all right, if I'm going to do it, you know, I'm going to do it my way. And it's kind of like, mm-hmm. like the independent, you know, uh, band who doesn't want a label, you know, or something. they go out on their own. They're, we're going to put music out on our own because we don't want, we didn't like doing it the way that we did it when we were with the big label because they told us how to do everything. And we made great music yeah. um, and we sold a lot of records, but it, it wasn't really in our voice you know Uh, Um, and so so i know of some bands that i'm a fan of that you know were on a major label and they had a horrible divorce with the label and they've been independent for like 20 years and they just do everything on their own and they built their following organically and they tour and they tour and they tour and is foo fighters one of those probably now yes i mean he has his own he's I mean, his first album he made all by himself. He played every instrument. He went into somebody's like laundry room and got a four-track recorder and he played drums, bass, vocals, and guitar and put out his own album in like eight days, you know. And so, I think he's always been that kind. Um, and he will do what he wants, yeah. you know. And yeah. and he's earned the right to do so. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I I. I love that. And I'm so glad that you did it and that you found it in a way to do it comfortably. And I know you're not doing it for the money and stuff like that. You're doing it to, to help give back to the world and it fulfills a need that you have. And, but what a journey, I mean, what a complicated, confusing, terrifying journey that you had to do to get there, but to see you kind of where you are today, you know, seemingly at peace Mm -hmm. and, and full of joy and, you know, there's success in there as well, but I'm just really proud of you to, I know the work you've put in and, and what you've had to endure, you know, to get here. And I'm just, I'm really happy and proud for you. Man, I appreciate that. And your, your friendship for me is one of those touchstones. I have, you know, people, I have a lot of people on social media and all that. And so people think of me as probably pretty extroverted or whatever. And the truth is my, my number of, real friends um and that's not to 
downplay any of the connections I have out there, but the people I feel like are real touchstones for me. It's it's a very small number, and you're you're in that, and you know, your you do not represent the demographic I'm getting ready to talk about, but our age group of because I feel like you're an anomaly. The reason I say you don't represent it, so this is not like how can I develop something that'll help Matt. No, Matt's actually really good um, by, the, by the standards that I would use. In terms of like knowing who you are and, and what matters and then going after it and creating it, like I love watching that, the example that you set for that. And I also, um, I have such a heart because I did all this work for all these years with a particular demographic. And that is generally speaking 40 to 65, 70-year-old white affluent women. And they are the people who have bought the books, they've gone to retreats, they've, they've actually like fueled an entire industry. Mm-hmm. And now it's getting a little younger as the millennials grow up. But here's the problem, Matt. I love the pioneering and the willingness that that, demographic, that group of people has demonstrated all these decades to plunge in. And the trouble is, is that there is an entire world of other people who actually need to experience some of the things that this group of people is so familiar with, sure. but they feel shut out from it because it sounds too woo-woo or it sounds too fluffy or emotional or whatever. And so one of the projects that I have going on with the entire thing I'm working with, both the nonprofit and the for-profit, is to begin refining the invitation so that people who are not represented by that group go... I need some of that too. That's not just for those people. Yeah. That's, this is for me. So that that remains quite a creative question for me because there's a lot of belief built up around that stuff's for those people. I think that I think a lot about generations. I think it's becoming more and more. I don't know front page where people are talking about boomers and Gen X and millennials. And yeah. although they don't even talk about Gen X, they skip right over us. They go boomers, millennials, <laughs> Gen Z. Right? We're the forgotten generation and stuff like that. But all the attributes that come with them, and I do think that the the generations below us, the millennials and the Gen Z. I'm excited that I believe that those, and there are a lot of millennials, mm-hmm. right? And I think that they're, I think they seem to be, and from what I'm reading and learning, to be, you know, more open and available to themselves, you know, um, mm-hmm. for some of the type of, uh, you know, help that you're trying to provide. And so I think there's an entire demographic, yeah. you know, that's going to be really ready and hungry for it. What, depending on when th- that trigger goes on in their brain, where they're like, I think I'm ready for this, I think that trigger may go off quite a bit sooner than folks of our generation, you know, and it's becoming right. more acceptable for. We're both 1973, aren't we? You know it. Oh, great. God, what a year. Right? And we're both left handed, right? Oh, my God. Yeah. That was really. Are you a middle child? No, I was the oldest. Damn. All right. Well, that's close. Two out of three something. Right. Yeah. (laughs) That's why you have a really stable (laughs) life. Right. (laughs) No, I, I, yeah. And I just, I just know, Matt, that guys, let's just use guys of our age. You know, there are a lot of guys of our age who are really attracted to uh, Jordan Peterson or Joe Rogan and um, some of these different ones. And I'm not taking a crack at any of those. It's interesting to me, though, that a lot of these approaches are some version of um, stoicism. Mm-hmm. So it provides a code, and that feels good to the mechanical part of it that says, if I just do these things, if I just go with this system of thought and behavior, then my life will be okay. I'll create some certainty for myself. And I'm not suggesting that that's wrong, but I will say that it doesn't go far enough, because every one of us has a palette of 
um, emotions, of intuition, of imagination, of all these things that we, many of us, have turned off or had turned off access to. And it, in many of those things, to regain access requires some emotional work, um, some versions of healing, and sure. to get in there. And so my heart really is to go, look, I love the marketplace, I love the enterprise, because it's such a... It, it requires honesty. It's either you either message this well so that people understand it well enough so they say, yes, I need that, or you didn't. And the money tells the story. Right. The and market doesn't lie. It right? doesn't lie. Yeah. I think it's not even necessarily things that have been switched off. I think that there are just walls that have been built. Yeah. And like you have to have the courage to climb them or break them down, right? Yeah. And so... Well, I believe that there's value behind that wall. Sure. Right? I mean, yeah. it's like, great, but what? why would I want to go there? And the answer, again, it, comes, it takes us back to because I want more in my life, because I want more genuine connection, because I want to have a greater sense of purpose or fulfillment, because I want to create things that are only mine that I created and... And by the way, you can do that just like you've done that inside of a franchise, essentially, inside of an insurance agency. You've made this place yours, which to me, this is your business here is a very artful, creative expression of you. Well, thank you. Yeah. Well, anybody, I'm out of time. Yep. But um, <laughs> I want to thank you for coming in. I mean, my friendship with you is very important. Um, and I admire what you're doing. I, uh, I'm proud of you, but I've learned so much from you. I just want you to know mm -hmm. that, you know, the, the times that we go out and do coffee and we hang out, they're not just to catch up. Like I blatantly use you, you know, to, um, to learn and you frame things in a way that really, um, trigger things in me that make me think, mm -hmm. you know, you've helped me become a better person. Um, the books that you've written and I've read and given away have been very important and I'll continue to do so. And I just really value like our connection and your friendship. So thank you, thank you for, cool. for doing what you do and, and being so honest and open and vulnerable, but it's, uh, it's, it's serving other people. And I know it's mm. like serving you really well too. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, do you mind if I invite people to sample the creative cure book? No, not at all. So creativecurebook.com and there's free audio or reading sample on there. Awesome. Well, go, go get it. <laughs> all right. Well, thanks buddy. Well, there you go. Jacob, thank you so much for coming in and sharing your time with me. I know it's valuable, but I always appreciate it. And uh, thanks for sharing what you know with people who need to hear it. So my name is Matt. This is none of my business. You can find me all over the place. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm not, I don't know how much longer I'm going to be on Twitter. That place is a mess, but I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Deets Agency. And uh, you can find me at DeetsAgency.com. So thank you so much for listening. Keep up the good work. <laughs>